0: around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, A Slice of Hope to Raise Faithful Kids. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, a father of five, and a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. I'm also the author of the award-winning series for teens, The Harwood Mysteries. By the way, now's the time to get caught up on my Harwood Mystery series. Uh, the first four books are already released, book four, The Merchant's Curse came out late last year, and book five is due out later this year, so check it out. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Carrie Schmidt, who is out with a new book, great for writers of all ages, and we're going to be talking about some tips for aspiring writers, our young writers, on how to get published and find readers. My guest today is Carrie Schmidt, the founder of ReadingIsMySuperpower.org, and a co-author on a new book for writers called Getting Past the Publishing Gatekeepers. She was a third grade teacher at a Christian school. She co-founded the Christian Fiction Readers Retreat, and also she's the co-founder of Just Read Publicity Tours. Of course, all of that makes her an avid reader, a book reviewer, and an all-around story addict, as she likes to say. She lives in Georgia with her husband, Eric. Carrie, welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tony. It's always a pleasure to be here with you.
0: I'm really excited to hear about this new book of yours. Uh, But before we get into that, maybe just give us a minute or two on your background and and even how you got into the place where you'd be starting publicity tours and co-authoring a book.
1: As you said, I was a third grade teacher. I also have several nieces and nephews encompassing a wide range of ages. And so um, kids are an important part of my life. Young adults, as they're moving into that age bracket, are also an important part of my life. And in 2015, I thought people are always asking me for books I've read and what's good. So let me just write about it on a blog that. Probably no one but my mom will ever read. To my surprise, people did read it. Because of that, I was able to get connected into this bookish community of faith and able to co-found things like the Christian Fiction Readers Retreat, which was an event for authors and readers to get together and fellowship together, worship God, and um, also founded Just Read Publicity Tours, which connects authors with readers who want to blog about their books, review their books, or feature their books on social media.
0: All right, great. And what do you uh, typically blog about? Still, I just love your reading is my superpower name for a uh, site. I think that's great.
1: I blog mostly about Christian fiction, some clean reads as well, like cozy mysteries and and things that anybody can pick them up and read them. Um, I'm conscious about making sure of that because of the young adult readers I have in my own family and and children. And I want to make sure that my blog is a safe place for them. I also do author interviews and I feature like top 10 lists and first line Fridays and anything bookish. I'll probably be talking about it at some point.
0: Really exciting news for you. Just like at the same time as my book four was being released, you had, this is now your first book. Tell us a little bit about how uh, you wound up getting this book contract and and what the book is.
1: (laughs) So I was approached by a group of three other authors who said, hey, we're doing this book to help authors navigate through the gatekeepers, for lack of a better word, of the publishing industry, agents, editors, publishers. And we're looking for somebody to talk about how authors can navigate past the readers, gatekeepers. We thought of you, would you be interested in doing this? Writing a book was nowhere on my radar ever. I just foolishly said, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, how much do I have to write? In some ways easier than I thought and another ways harder than I thought. But that's kind of how it, it came about. I just, in my work in the industry and kind of, as I say, popping up everywhere, I was somebody that they thought of to help write this section of the book. So I wrote 10 chapters. Everybody else wrote about that many as well, give or take. It's a great collaboration of different industry professionals.
0: Great. Well, tell us uh, real quick about the other uh, co authors with you.
1: Sure. So I have Hope Bollinger, who is just about everything in the industry. She (laughs) either has done it or probably will do it um, or is doing it. She represented the agent section of this particular book. She's also, acquisitions editor. She's started writing intensives for young adult authors, kind of mentoring them. She's an author herself. Uh, she's also an actress. I mean, she does everything. So she represented the agents. Linda Fulkerson, who is the owner of Scrivening's Press, published the book. And she also wrote the section about publishers, mainly from a small press publisher's point of view, um, on how authors can navigate that as opposed to maybe self-publishing or going through an agent and, you know, going through the bigger processes for the larger publishers. And then we lastly have Rowena Quo, who uh, represented the editors for the Getting Past the public. gatekeepers. And she is also a publisher of a company called Brimstone Fiction, another small press.
0: So this is the perfect time with the book just being released. And you guys really having the most up to date information on aspiring writers. And we know a lot of young people even in their teenage years, get the idea like, hey, I want to write a novel. Oftentimes yeah. it might be fiction or fantasy or something. And some of their parents or grandparents or teachers may be listening to the podcast. So what I'd, I think what I'd love to do with kind of this uh, next part of the interview is, you know, what kinds of tips would they need to know or pass on to their young writers about, okay, look, realistically, if you're going to write a book in this day and age, this is the kind of things you'll need to know. Maybe we could just walk them through the process in a logical fashion the way you guys already have done in your in your book what's the first thing that you might tell them that they'd want to think about
1: Well, I think the first thing that most of us cover in our section, each of our respective sections is going to conferences or taking classes. If this is something that um, your child, your teen, your young adult in your life is interested in doing and writing a book, get them connected with some writing conferences in the area, maybe some of the bigger ones. They do cost money um, and they're arranged. Usually local ones are not going to be quite as expensive, but they're no less valuable. And then the larger ones, you may have more opportunities as far as meeting with editors, meeting with agents, meeting with publishers, but you're still, no matter what size, you're going to get good classes from authors. Research them, make sure, you know, that the authors are authors who actually have published books (laughs) and aren't just saying things that aren't going to work for them either. But, you know, look for, you know, reputable ones, Christian fiction, if that's what you're wanting to stick with. There are so many opportunities out there that can just be Googled by Christian Fiction Writing Conference. They also have some class um, that are geared for young adult writers. Several authors actually have kind of intensive courses that they do for early young adult teen writers that are great to plug into. So that would be the first thing. Second, you kind of need to decide, you know, is this something that they want to do as a career or as just kind of a hobby? And I think if you're wanting to do it as a career long term, you want to consider plugging into an agent. And an agent then can take their manuscript once they have it written and begin submitting it to publishers and help them polish it up and get them connected to the right people. I think if it's something that they want to do as a hobby, then maybe going the small press publishing route where you don't always have to have an agent to submit to them would be another thing that they could think of. So those are the two tips right off the top.
0: Let me unpack those. And and by the way, the uh, the Writers Conference tip is the one that finally, I think, got me on the right track. I joined the Catholic Writers Guild But yeah, I can't emphasize that enough because even though I thought I knew what I was doing, it wasn't until I started going to these conferences and interacting with other writers that I really was able to start making some traction. And is it your experience, by the way, that uh, young people do go to some of those conferences? Like, they, you know, would they be the only teenager there, do you think? They're going
1: to be in the minority, but they're not going to be the only one. I actually helped coordinate the Art of Writing conference this year, which is just ahead of the Christie Awards, which is kind of like the Oscars of Christian fiction. Um, and I was actually there in one of the sessions that I met this young woman you know, I'm terrible at ages. And I was like, oh, she's in her 30s. You know, no, she was 19. And she had a, a had written a book and she wanted me to read it to know if it was something at all that was publishable. And I actually did pass her on to a small press publisher. And I said, you need to read this. This is actually really good. And so connections like that can happen. She was at the same conference that I also brought my 14-year-old niece who wants to write. Um, and so there were two of them there that were in what I would consider the teen and young adult categories. So they're not going to be the only one. But they will be in the minority. I mean, think of that opportunity, though, to be able to sit and learn from authors who've been down this road for years already. And you're not having to compete with anybody else your own age (laughs) to get a shot.
0: So, right. You, because there are fewer of you, I think you wind up getting an outsized portion of attention. Yes. And if you were just one of the other folks, so and you actually might have a better experience than uh, doing it when yes. you're older. And so then you mentioned agents, and I know Hope Bollinger is an agent. We've had Hope on the show once before, and boy, she's got a lot of great energy, just positive amazingly constructive energy. But you said not every teenager should be running out to get an agent. So maybe talk a little bit, like what is the agent going to do for you as a writer? And at what point do you know you've crossed the line? Like I still don't have an agent, especially as a young person into thinking, no, I really do think I need an agent.
1: Again, I think it depends on... As a teenager, you know, is this something you just want to do for fun and see, but you maybe you want to be a teacher instead or a lawyer or whatever. So this is going to be your side thing. It's not going to be your only thing. And then I think you can take a more relaxed approach to it. I think if this is going to be your only thing, and this is your dream, and you don't want to do any other dream, you just want to write, I think then you need to consider it more like a business track. And on a business track, you're going to want to go find an agent. The agent is the go-between for the author and the larger publishers. You know, there are some publishers, small presses, such as Scrivenings, such as Ironstream. Even Love Inspired, which is the Harlequin Christian fiction imprint, does not necessarily need an agent to submit. They have open submission times where you can submit without having to have an agent. There are some others, some smaller to medium sized that don't require an agent. But if you're wanting to publish somewhere such as Bethany House or Revell or Tyndale House or Waterbrook, some of the larger name Christian fiction publishing companies, you're going to want to get an agent because they receive so many submissions every year that most of them will say, we're not looking at any of them that aren't coming from an agent. And I think that's because the agent is sort of the first gatekeeper that steps in and says, your work's not ready yet to be published, or it is ready. Let's just polish it up a little bit. And then I'll submit it to publishers that are looking for this exact thing that you're writing.
0: Yeah, and I would say on the Catholic side, almost any Catholic publisher I can think of, even Loyola Press, which is a fairly large Catholic publisher, Mm -hmm. I was able to work with them without an agent. And I would say probably most of those publishers, I even had another publishing house, which will remain nameless, tell me they preferred to work with people without agents because they thought agents could be a pain in the butt. Um, So. So maybe let's talk about this. Now, agents get
1: a bad rap, but there are some (laughs) wonderful agents out there. I got to give a shout out to Cynthia Rookty, who's one of my favorite people. And she is not a pain in anyone's butt. She is a delight uh, in every way. She's also an author whose books people need to read. Yeah. So what's an agent
0: going to do for them? Like just as a a general level.
1: So an agent can look over your contract. And so they'll look at the contract and make sure you're getting a fair deal. They're also going to make sure the publisher's getting a fair deal. You know that you're establishing a good working relationship that's beneficial for both. Um, the agent can also handle the right to your book and make sure that those are well represented when it maybe comes to film rights or other language editions, things like that. And like I said, the agent is plugged in to knowing which publishers are looking for which types of books So they can save you the time of going to six different publishing houses and having the publishing house say, we're not really looking for young adult fantasy. If we're doing young adult, we want it to be more realism um, or adventure or mystery or romance. So they're going to kind of help save you time and effort and know where to plug your manuscript in.
0: All right. So first two tips, start going to conferences, find an agent yes. if you're serious. And in fact, you can actually find an agent at the conferences a lot of times because yes. the agents will show up and, and you can yes. make pitches to them. So yes. those two go hand them. in hand. What are some other things that you think uh, an aspiring writer needs to know about breaking into the business?
1: Two of the main things, and these go very closely together, are always work on your craft. Don't assume that you have reached the epitome of an author. Always be developing yourself as a person, as an author. And hand in hand with that is read. Read, 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 read. Read in the genre you want to be published in. Read outside of the genre you want to be published in. Start supporting other authors within that genre. All three of those, I think, go very closely together. The Christian fiction industry, especially, is a niche. It's very small. We talk. So you want to be somebody that they're going to speak well of. And part of that, again, is supporting other authors.
0: And when you say supporting other authors, and especially thinking about a a teenage writer or something, what what does Mm -hmm. that look like for a teen?
1: So teenagers, they can run circles around me on social media. Get plugged in to the social media accounts. Follow authors on social media. Share what the authors are sharing. Reshare it with your followers. A lot of teenagers are active on Instagram in the Bookstagram community. Bookstagram is just pretty pictures of a book. You know, we work with that. We have a division of Just Reads for Bookstagram and social media. And we have some talented, talented people, you know, young and and older that can just create art with a book and some props, some flowers or some trinkets. and, And it's just a gorgeous composition. So start there. Start sharing the books you already own that you've loved to read in your genre. You kind of you want to be like this author when you grow up. I still say that and I'm 45. So book talk. On TikTok, there's people debate back and forth on TikTok. If you are a teenager and you're okay with TikTok and your parents are okay with TikTok, there's a huge book talk community right now where you can share videos that are promoting books. If you're not and you want to stay away from TikTok, go to the bookstagram route and stick to Instagram.
0: So they're networking, they're supporting other authors. What next?
1: After you've gone through all of those things and you've supported the other authors, you've read, you've developed your craft, you've gone to conferences. The next step is to just start the process. Well, first of all, you need to write the book. (laughs) That's like, I guess that's like the first, first step. You've got to write the book and hopefully all these other things you're doing will help you to do that. And once you've got the book, you need to have it read, right? You need to find people who are going to read it. And that's where people like me come in who are able to show you, here's where to connect with readers. Here's where we're hanging out. Here's how you keep them. Here's what not to do. And here's what to do. And here's how to help word of mouth work for you when it comes to your book.
0: And so we're assuming like, if you've got the book written, you've got an agent, they're going to find the right press for you to get published in. And maybe, I mean, nowadays, so many people are self-publishing. It's so easy to work with Amazon and put together a a quality looking book. Can you maybe address that for, you know, there might be a lot of teens who just are like, well, why don't I just self-publish on KDP or something?
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is very legitimate and strong way to go about it. There are so many opportunities now, and so many authors who have had the opportunity to be published and kind of have more control over their own work by self publishing. So it's a great route to go. When I polled the readers in my network for my section of the book, I, I asked them, I said, What makes you try a new to you author? Whether it's self published, whether it's traditionally published with a larger press or with a smaller press, what's going to make you pick up that book? And the two, over 75% of the about 250 or so, readers that I talked to, said it comes down to word of mouth and first impressions. And first impressions, I think, is really where a lot of self-published authors go awry. <laughs> and so I kind of try to bring them back a little bit and say, look, you've got about two seconds to catch their attention. And while we all say we don't judge a book by its cover, we do. That's like the most ridiculous statement ever because we do judge a book by its cover. We do pick up that book because the cover catches our eye. So you want to invest a little time, a little money if you aren't able to do it yourself in designing a cover that supports the current trends in the genre that you're looking for. One of the examples I say is, look, if you're writing a biblical fiction novel, for example, and the cover looks like a contemporary romance, you're going to have a very difficult time finding the right readers for your book. Because you're going to get contemporary romance readers picking up your cover. And then they're in for a disappointing surprise when it's biblical fiction, which is something they don't read. To talk more for young readers, the same is true of fantasy. If you're writing a fantasy novel and it looks like a cozy mystery cover. You're not going to find the right readers. You're going to find a batch of readers that aren't going to give you good reviews because it's not the book they thought they were getting. And then you want to maintain that second impression once you've hooked them in with the first impression. And that means investing a little bit of time and money in an editor, a good editing process if you're self-publishing. Find somebody that excels at doing content editing, copy editing, and developmental editing. Maybe that's three different people. Maybe you can get it all in one person but invest that money so that when they start reading the book, you're going to keep them and keep their
0: interests. All right. So getting an editor probably needs to be part of the thought process, even for a serious teen writer. But can you maybe distinguish real quick? You mentioned three kinds of editors uh, for people Mm -hmm. who might not be aware of the difference. Uh, What do each of those editors do that's different from each other?
1: Developmental editing and content editing are really going to focus on the bones of your story. They're going to make sure that your story flows in a logical way, that there aren't gaps where people are going to be confused, that it doesn't lag in the middle that you're keeping a steady pace, that you're keeping the point of view in the correct person, things like that. And then you're going to have some more like line by line editing, which is really looking for proofreading errors, grammar, spelling, those dreaded commas and semicolons and things like that that are going to just make it polished and allow it to look like you you know what you're doing. You want somebody that can edit the story and you want someone that can edit the typing.
0: Yeah, and I will say when with my first book, Shadow in the Dark, Loyola Press did do exactly that they hired out Mm -hmm. a developmental editor to work with me. And then that person was, I thought, extremely helpful. And then they also had sort of a content editor who came in second. And then they had that final sort of in-house proofreading type editor. Um, So yeah, I mean, the the publishing houses are obviously investing even in these different editors. So if you're going to self-publish, you definitely don't want to uh, neglect that. That brings us then to your big area, which is finally, they got their book published. Uh, What else do we need to tell young people about, you know, getting and keeping readers?
1: Well, again, this is something that isn't just a one and done type of thing. It's something that you need to stay engaged. That doesn't mean that it has to consume your life. This can be just something consistently five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day where you're on social media or you're writing a newsletter or you're posting a blog post that's engaging with the readers that you want to attract. And that can be as simple as a question of the day on social media or celebrating all those silly national days. Of whatever. If it's National Ice Cream Day, talk about your favorite ice cream and ask your readers for theirs. The more organic, natural engagement that you can do with readers where it doesn't feel forced and it's not just, hey, I'm here, buy my book. You want to create a reader community. The way you do that, again, is just investing consistently over time with the readers that you're wanting to attract. Those personal connections, even over something as silly as ice cream, are going to keep readers coming back because they're invested in you personally now you feel like a friend on a certain level and they're going to be invested in your books in your career for the long term not just the one book the flip side of that is if you come in and you're like hey buy my book and then nobody ever hears from you Until the next book comes out, you're like, okay, I mean, if I want to read the book, I'm going to read the book. But when you've got readers that are on the fence, they're looking for those authors that can do even just a little bit of engagement once a week, once a month, you know, something that's doable for you as the author, but that can advance your, your author platform so that readers continue to be invested in this community that you're building
0: yeah and I know how tough that is because I've been it trying to tough. crack that nut for a while <laughs> especially for people who have a lot of other things going on in their lives yeah. it's tough to find that time one final question in this area then and I know you have a few books to recommend in our entertainment segment if you had a parent or a teacher in front of you and they're like hey I got this young person who's really interested in writing what's a good piece of advice you might give to them so that they they could be maybe that person who really helps that young person pursue that dream.
1: Well, I think the number one piece of advice I would give is support them, engage with them, ask to read what they're writing, tell them what you liked about it, pay attention to the kind of books that they're writing. and. At gift giving occasions, give them books in similar genres, plug them into classes, you know, Google search those things and say, Hey, for your birthday or for Christmas this year, I'm, I thought we'd go to this conference, you know, just really let them know that, Hey, I value this about you. And I think you're talented in this area. If they are, um, (laughs) And if they're not, give them some more classes. You know, it's obviously something that they want to do. Just keep supporting them. Don't say things like, oh, you're never going to make any money at that. Or, you know, oh, don't you want to be a doctor instead? Really plug into that part of your child, your teenager's life and invest in them and their talents.
0: Yeah that is great advice. And uh, and you know you're right. I mean anybody with enough work in an area can improve their writing. I mean mine has improved a lot and I've seen a lot of other people who you wouldn't think. But you know what if they care enough uh, they can learn it on um, you know most of us yeah, can. Yeah.
1: And if so, they're not, they'll burn out eventually and they'll quit doing it. So you don't have to worry about it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just let it run its course, you know.
0: <laughs> you don't have to be the bad guy for your own yeah, teenager. That's for exactly. Sure. So if folks want to learn more about you, uh, find your book, uh, Getting Past the Publishing Gatekeepers or get to your blog, where would you direct them?
1: So one-stop shopping experience, just go to readingismysuperpower.org. There's a link there about the book. And then you can find all my reviews and author interviews and everything and an about Section for me and where else I show up as I keep popping up everywhere. So
0: wonderful. All right. And that brings us then to our entertainment segment. In Our entertainment segment, I like to ask our guests if they have any great books to recommend. And since Carrie recommends books for a living, it seems uh, she <laughs> has brought us a few good ones for the little kids in your life.
1: I have been fortunate the past year to read some really great picture books. The first one I want to talk about is Nana the Great Comes to Visit. It's by Lisa Tom Berggren. It is published by Waterbrook and it's actually the first in a series. So if you like it, you can get plugged in. The next one releases sometime in the next couple of months, Nana the Great Comes to Visit is about what you think it's about. Nana comes to visit and Nana is just hilarious. She's also really sweet. And it made me remember my own grandmothers and the special friendship that we had. In my review, I talked about she spoils her grandchildren, but she doesn't pretend to let them win at checkers, you know, they've got to earn that one. And so there's just a real human aspect to this story. The illustrations are diverse and so it appeals to a wide group of readers and families and I just think it's such a great family read supporting grandparents and the the role that they have in their grandchildren's lives.
0: As a picture book, uh, you'd be reading this to what age range?
1: 4 to 8 or 9 my oldest nephew on my side of the family is going to be eight soon. And he thought it was hysterical. So, you know, a lot of it depends on how you read it. But I think this could go up to an older elementary age as well. It's just a really fun read.
0: Is it explicitly uh, Christian or it's just a fun story?
1: It is what I would consider inspirational, definitely based in faith, but not super overt either. So it. it Appeals to a really wide range of readers.
0: Great. Okay. And what's the second book?
1: So, the second book is such a sweet book. It's called Everyone Belongs by Heather Avis. But this one is a rhyming book and it's about two sisters who are putting on a talent show. They start out just being the two of them, but then people's other children start coming in and it really teaches kids an important lesson on making room for other people's differences, whether it be maybe a physical disability, maybe someone is just differently abled mentally, or someone may be blind or um, in a wheelchair, autistic, uh, maybe they have Down syndrome. There's just a wide variety on these pages of children so that every reader can look at this book and say, oh, there's me. And or there's my friends. There's this other girl down the neighborhood. And, you know, I said in my review, I enjoyed reading this one, even if my nieces and nephews are not in sight. It was just so sweet and so affirming. And one of the lines they repeat over and over again is exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. And I just think that's an important lesson that kids need to hear these days. Your differences are what make you so special. Everyone belongs. And it's by Heather Avis. And that's also from Waterbrook publishing.
0: All right. And the other one was Nana the Great Comes to Visit by Lisa yeah. Ton Berggren and David yes, Hone. Exactly. So yeah. wonderful. Well, I really appreciate all the great advice that you were able to bring us today because there are so many young writers out there. They might write and write a picture book too. I mean, they might be just yeah, great absolutely. illustrators. Uh, you know, we so need much...
1: more authors and illustrators of faith to write picture books, write middle grade fiction, write young adult. That's a need. Um, in this industry, and we need more young people coming up to do that.
0: Amen to that. Well, thank you again uh, for being on the show, Carrie. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Carrie Schmidt about tips for aspiring writers. Uh, Again, this is Anthony Barone-Colank. If you have a question for me or a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a line on my website, antonycolank.com, and you can also learn more about my historical fiction series there, The Harwood Mysteries. Until next time, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids.